0: You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected.
1: Pastor Sean uh, mentioned, and and, uh, even Pastor Bobby already mentioned, and uh, Pastor Jamie's already mentioned, uh, this is an important week ahead of us. Uh, Today is Palm Sunday, Uh, This is the day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem uh, that we celebrate leading up to Easter, the death and resurrection. Easter is the resurrection of Jesus, which we will celebrate next week. And uh, it's interesting, in the Bible, uh, this past week I read through all four Gospels, and uh, uh, when I read from the the triumphant entry, which is Palm Sunday, to the end of the... Each gospel, there is a lot of week, or there's a lot of uh, writing in each of the gospels around each of uh, uh, this Holy Week, Uh, and today is the start of Holy Week in that way. In Matthew, the triumphant entry is in Matthew twenty-one and it goes all the way to chapter 28. That's like a third of the book almost. Uh, Mark is chapter 11, and then to chapter 16. Luke is uh, chapter 19, and it goes to 24. And then John, chapter 12, all the way to 21. Almost probably 50 or 60%, or no, 40, 40% or so. I'm not doing math in my head. That is probably not a good idea. But I did write those down. And the reason I'm saying that is because there's a lot in that last week of Jesus' life. And I've got an assignment for every single one of us. is to take a chapter. You don't have to read all four Gospels. But I want you to read one of the Gospels from the triumphant entry, which is Palm Sunday, which we're going to read in one of those uh, here in just a minute. Through the end of the gospel, And what it's going to do, it's going to prepare our hearts for Easter next week. So, come on, how many are with me? Would you, you add it to your list of uh, what you're going to do? You'll read, find where the triumphant entry is, and read to the end of that gospel. And you might want to do all four, be an overachiever, and that would be great. But um, the the Holy Week, as you may have guessed, will end with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And really, from today through this week, it's the high point of Jesus' ministry, right? It's kind of a culmination. People are praising. The crowd is ready for a takeover. They want to take over Rome, that Rome has been uh, so oppressive. People are anticipating. They're like, man, our lives are going to be better now because Jesus is here. And within this holy week, as you read it this week, I want you to pay attention to the humanity of Jesus. He's sad. He gets mad. He's laughing. He's crying. He's debating. He's praying. He's teaching. He's washing his disciples' feet. He's demonstrating the love that he has. There's highs and lows. We see a scene at the temple, which we'll talk about in a second here. He predicts the fall of Jerusalem. He's at the Last Supper, the betrayal of Judas, the trials, the denial of Peter, and then ultimately the death and the resurrection. Holy week. It's it's an incredible read, and I want to encourage you to do that. And and what I also want you to notice about Jesus is that he is steady. It's like none of this has taken him by surprise. We see his humanity I love it. What a week. Church, the birth of Jesus was so that there would be the death of Jesus and ultimately the resurrection planned from the foundation of the world from the very beginning of time. Um, I, you know, how many of you have ever, uh, or how many can remember when your kids were young? Or you can imagine, like you got a little baby, you put them in their, in their uh, high chair. How many know when you plan to feed a baby you are prepared for the worst, right? You cover things up. You make sure that you got lots of room, that nothing important is around because you know it's going to be a real mess. Well, when God had it planned from the very beginning of time, he knew that we were going to be a big mess. (laughs) And he prepared. And part of that preparation was sending Jesus so he could die, live and die for us. But... Let's not get ahead of ourselves. That's Easter next week. Let's talk about Palm Sunday, the triumphant uh, entry uh, where Jesus comes. And let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verses 29 through 40. Let's read it. It says, as he came into the town uh, uh, of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead of him. Go into the village over there, he told them. And as you enter, you will see a young donkey tied there where th- that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. Everybody say that with me. The Lord needs it. So... They went on and they found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owner asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, say it with me, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their garment over it and for him to ride on. Now, this is kind of a wacky story. A donkey for Jesus to ride on. If you fast forward two thousand years to today, you think, okay, what kind of vehicle would represent a donkey? To me, it's got to be a Toyota Prius. How many are with me? (laughs) Sorry, Pastor Bobby. (laughs) The point is not impressive. (laughs) Maybe it's a moda. Oh, oh. if you didn't hear that, that's good. (laughs) Pastor Bobby said, maybe it was a moped, a scooter. All right, okay, all right. All right, let's get back to the scripture. It says, as he rode along (laughs) on the donkey, the crowds spread out their garments on the road. You're saying, what? What is going on here? It says, when he reached the place where the road started down, the Mount of Olives, all of the flower, flowers, followers began to shout and to sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wondrous miracles they had seen. You say, what, what kind of miracles are we talking about, right? Well, if you back up in Scripture, just a chapter or two before, Jesus' friend Lazarus had died four days in the grave, and Jesus brought him back from the grave, said, Lazarus, come forward. And they are celebrating that, plus other miracles that Jesus had done. And they were so excited that as he's riding on a donkey down the streets, there are people saying, hey, wait a second, Jesus, we don't want you just to ride on that bare road. We're going to put palm branches, and they took their coats and their shirts, and they lay it down, and they're saying, right on that, because we want to honor you as king. Now, this is the culmination of three years of public ministry. This is the high point. And what's happening in the story is that Jesus is allowing The point to be made that his time had now come. Before this, he would heal somebody and say, hey, don't tell anybody. He would touch somebody or he would do a miracle and they'd be like, hey, let's keep that quiet. Let's not post that on Facebook, right? Keep it quiet for now. But now, Jesus wants to go viral. He's making his move. Now, Jesus is drawing attention to himself intentionally because his time had come, And depending on what version you read, the next verse says, Hosanna, or praise God, or save now. In uh, this version, uh, in the New Living Translation, it says, Blessing on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in earth, or in heaven, and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees, among them, above the crowd says, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. He's saying, look, it's time. I'm declaring my kingdom. And what happens? Jesus, he forces the authorities to play their hands. They had already put out warrants for his arrest, but he forces the Pharisees' hands to the point where they had to make a decision. Jesus is entering as king. And the Pharisees didn't like it. But Jesus, as one pastor said, uh, one commentator wrote, Jesus was like, crown me or kill me. Everybody say that with me. Crown me or kill me. And I understand that's a unique way to say that, crown me or kill me. It can be kind of bold and almost put you off like would Jesus say it with, you know. But listen, A king is on his way into Jerusalem. And this ties in with Old Testament prophecy that a king, a Messiah, a Savior would come and rule on the earth. Another way you could say, crown me or kill me, it would be like Jesus saying, look, the king is here. And through the Jewish people would sit on the throne of David. And we'll see that in a minute, how that's important. And the king would oversee Israel. And from Israel would rule the world. And now that we're seeing the fulfillment of this. And it's recorded in all four Gospels. Now, when Jesus, before Jesus uh, was into his public ministry, there was John the Baptist. How many have heard of John the Baptist or maybe read about him? He came and he would say, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus, when he is just coming out in ministry, he says, repent, the kingdom of God is in front of you. And when they sent out the 12 disciples, they were instructed to preach, the kingdom of God has arrived. Sort of subtle at first, but now bold in your face, the king is here. The king is here. And in Matthew and in Mark's gospel, and maybe you'll choose to read one of those uh, examples. I want to go just a verse or two before. In Matthew chapter 20, uh, we see uh, what is really happening here. That Jesus, uh, it's all coming together. Look what it says. As Jesus and his disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind him. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began to shout, Lord, Son of David. That's really important. Son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. When When Jesus heard them, he stopped he said, What do you want me to do for you? They said, Lord, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them, touched their eyes. Instantly they could see, and they started to follow. You say, What's happening here? Listen. They are crying out, Lord, Son of David, to the Jewish crowd there. They understood that they were declaring that he was the king. He was the Messiah, the Savior, and the Pharisees, they hated it. But the thing I want you to notice is that in the story, at this point, Jesus does not stop them. He doesn't silence them. He doesn't correct them. He's saying, look, my time is here. Crown me. Or kill me, or the king is here. And then what transpires after that event surprised everybody. It surprised the religious leaders, it surprised the disciples. They thought he was coming in to take over, but instead, the Messiah would have to suffer before he reigned. Before the throne, there would be a cross. And in Luke chapter 19, back to where we originally read, as you move forward, instead of driving out the Romans, he goes after his own people. See, if Jesus was a military leader, he would have brought an army with him, but he didn't. And he goes in to the temple. And he addresses his own people. He starts overturning tables. But notice that when you look at that story, he starts to take ownership. He says, my house, my temple, there's ownership there. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And he's basically correcting their behavior. See, people had drifted from what was right. They were doing things in the temple that they never should have been doing. They were missing the mark. And the same can happen in all of our lives if we're not careful. That we can be around and in the temple but missing the mark. There's a lot of spiritual and moral breakdown even within the church. But the people were just saying, Hosanna, right? Save now. It's like, Jesus, don't mess this up. Why are you making such a disruption? They were just putting palm branches down. And yes, Jesus was there to save them. He is our Savior. He's the salvation. He's the one that provides forgiveness. Jesus wants to be your Savior, but church, He also wants to be your ruler, your king. The one with the final say-so, just like a king over all matters of our lives. And the truth is, Even today, we don't mind saying king by name. But the people in the story were excited. Save now. But when he tells them what to do, there was trouble. And sometimes that happens to us. Luke 19, 41 through 44. Jesus, again, is moving towards uh, the temple at this point. He stops, and he's weeping. He's crying. He's sad because the people did not want Jesus on his terms. They wanted Jesus on their own terms. They wanted Jesus to conform to their own plans. And I'm talking the Pharisees, the disciples, Judas. Judas. Everyone wanted Jesus to come in and destroy Rome, not to confront their sinful behavior. And the religious leaders in particular did not want Jesus messing with their superficial Hypocritical religion. But before we start throwing stones at the Pharisees, isn't that the way we act sometimes? People want Jesus on their own term. They say, okay, God, save us, yes, rule us, Mm, no, (laughs) right? Save us, bless us, wealth, success, happiness, yes, please. Rule us, obedience, commitment, devotion, ah n- maybe not. No thanks. It's a human condition. Go back to the story of the same people. With, when Jesus does not deliver what he expected, what did they do? Within moments or within days, they turned on him. And the same can happen today. People say, oh, I love Jesus, right? I'm, I'm a Jesus follower, but I don't necessarily believe this or that, and uh, you know they have their favorite things that they would disagree according to Scripture. Church, we should not do that. The Bible says that He is the Potter, we are the clay. He's the Vine, we are the branches. He's the Shepherd, we are the sheep. He's the Giver, we are the receivers. In other words, He's God. We're just a bunch of punks. Okay. <laughs> And if we go back to the story, the people there, they wanted a king, but they wanted him on their terms. They're singing, they're laughing, they're celebrating. And what is Jesus doing? He's weeping. He's crying. And then he's taking action in the temple. He's making incredible claims at that point. In other words, he's forcing his kingship, crown me or kill me. And by the way, it was his claims to be God that got him killed ultimately. And what Jesus was saying, look, I will be your king or nothing. I will be the king of your life or nothing. And you say, well, why does it have to be that way? Well, kingship does not work without submission. God's kingdom is not a democracy. He's not asking for your vote. He's not seeking your permission or your approval. No. Jesus declares what he wants in Scripture. And so we do not ask Jesus to adjust to our liking. Our job is to allow Jesus to change us. And that's the gospel message. You boil it all down. We are called to repent. Everybody say, repent. For the kingdom is near. Repent. Surrender. Seek forgiveness. Save now. Hosanna. Salvation. Some of you may be here today and maybe you're not even sure why. Maybe you're saying, well, I need a little religion. No, no, no. You need Jesus to be your Savior. But don't be misled Don't make the mistake of just making Jesus king or savior for a day. No, we need to make him Lord of our lives every day. The question is, and we're going to put it up on the screen, is that we need to ask Jesus, is what do you want me to do about blank? I want you to write this down, take a picture of this, think about this this week. Uh, What do you want me to do, Jesus, about my time, my talents, my treasure? Let's make it a little more specific. What do you, God, do you want me to do about a certain relationship, a friendship, about my career, my job, my business? God, what do you want me to do about my money, maybe about a vehicle, (laughs) Tim, I said that first service, didn't even know you are thinking about buying a car today. What do you want me to do about my vacation or my favorite hobby? Or let's go real important, like, God, what do you want me to do about my sin? And the point is, is the answer, when we ask a question of a king, the only answer is when there's a response. And by the way, God gives us a response, it's his word. Our response should always be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're now citizens, right? We need to establish who's in charge. We don't get to decide what a marriage is or how we should handle our resources or how we're to act at work uh, or at school. No, we now represent a king, King Jesus, And if we don't allow Jesus to speak into our lives, into every area of our lives, and if we don't say, yes, Lord, we are, in essence, declaring we are our own king. And that's dangerous. Instead, we should say, like Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That's one of my favorite verses Seek first the kingdom of God. That's the way I memorize it. And all these things will be added unto you. He's going to take care of you. But seek Him first. That's the priority. It's, uh, It's acknowledging His lordship, His kingship in your life. Now, you may be missing out on what God wants in your life. Could it be that He does not have the final say? Or maybe you're feeling defeated in some way. And maybe just like you're getting beat up over and over. Could it be that he does not have the authority in your life? Could it be that Jesus is not your king? Maybe he saved you. Maybe you've been around, but you haven't given him authority. See, getting saved is the easy part. And yes, we're grateful that God saves, right? He's our savior. He gives us eternal life. But then, it doesn't make all of our problems disappear. You say, well, why do I struggle so long? Why does it take so long for this or for that? Or why, uh, why can't I get by my struggles or get over the hump? Or why can't I get past the pain? Could it be that Jesus is not in charge? There's areas in your life that you are holding on to. And Jesus, if you were standing here today, he would say, look, crown me or kill me. Or he'd say, look, the king is here. I am here. Now, the Pharisees in the story, they were not willing to live within God's kingdom or Jesus' rule. And what did they do? They killed him. Judas, who was on board originally, he was one of the 12 disciples that was walking with Jesus, he was on board for the fun stuff as he was you know taking care of the money and and he's watching the miracles and the healing and the teaching but in the last week of his life it got too much and Judas is like I'm out If Jesus would have done what the people wanted, what Judas wanted, or what the Pharisees would have wanted to be king and overthrow Rome, it would have been an earthly kingdom. And that's not what Jesus did. Instead, Jesus followed through with the plan, and he died, and he rose again. And church, it is our best interest, it's in our best interest to allow God to rule and reign in our lives. Period. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come. We're gonna close today. There's two verses in Revelation that stuck out to me, stood out to me. Revelation seventeen, fourteen. You can write it down in Revelation nineteen verse sixteen. Um, I just uh, I, I told you, I, I read the New Testament this week from Sunday till yesterday, Saturday. And uh, I finished a 30-day Bible shred where you read the entire Bible in 30 days. And uh, uh, Reagan, my daughter, was doing this uh, with her group in Cairo, Egypt. And I was like, hey, I'll do that with you. And, uh, and so anyway, but when I got to the end of Revelation yesterday... There are a few verses that came out in regards to God's kingship and his who he is. The first one in verse 14 it says together they that Satan and the demons the Satan and the demons will go to war against the lamb. The lamb is Jesus. He's the lamb of God. It says but the lamb, so there's going to be this big massive fight but the lamb will defeat them. You say, well, how do you know? Or why would that be? Because he is Lord of all lords and king of all kings. Can I get an amen? He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. There's nothing that will stand in his way. And the cool thing is at the end of it, it says, and his Called and chosen and his faithful ones will be with him. He invites us into the narrative. We get to reign and rule with the king. That's amazing. What a privilege. Revelation 19 verse 16 says on his robe on his thighs are written king of kings and lord of all lords. It's written right there. He is the king of of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And the thing we need to wrestle with is, what is our response? I think there's two responses that we all need to wrestle with. The first is to repent. There are things in our lives that are displeasing to God. We need to repent and ask the Lord, to save now save us and even as a believer and once you give your heart to jesus how many know your sin nature doesn't just disappear and so it, to me it's a repentance on a regular basis saying coming to the lord saying god i'm sorry the fact is we probably have all sinned this morning at some level or another and if not today tomorrow most likely monday morning we need to just keep a humble heart before the Lord we need to repent and for some of you there are some specific things that you know that you need to repent from and for some it might be your first time saying hey I need a Savior and we want to invite you I just listen in the, how many would join me this morning and say you know what pastor I need to repent I need God save now repent just come on let me see yeah Yeah, we all do. The second response is a response to the king that's a little more difficult. The saving part, it's like, okay, God, he did all the... Oh, by the way, it was not easy for Jesus to be able to provide for our salvation. He had to come to this earth, live, die. He rose from the grave and he went to hell, took the keys back. And so it wasn't easy for him, but it's easy for us to say, all right, Lord, save us. But the second is to make him our king. And our response should be, yes, Lord. And what I'd like us to do, and this is 100% participation today. We're gonna wait and I'm just gonna, we'll be patient. I want you to think with me. In what area of your life have you not given full control over to Jesus. In what area do you need to say, Lord, you're in control? Yes, Lord. Going back to that, uh, that question that we, that we talked about, what do you want me to do about this? My time, my talent, my treasure, my relationships, my work, my money, my hobby, or my sin. Where Maybe there's something that's holding on. You're saying, okay, I, I'm good in all these things and no one even knows about this, where I struggle. I'm just gonna hold on to that. No, no, no. We need to release those things to the Lord. And the truth is, we all do it. And in a moment like this, I just believe the Holy Spirit can drop in the area in your heart that you need to give control full control over to the Lord. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around. And as the Lord puts a thought or an area in your life that you need to give control over to, where you would answer to the King of Kings, to Jesus, and you would say, yes, Lord. You establish who's in control. Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's a, a theology. Maybe it's, I mean, it could be a, a thousand different things. But once you've identified it, what I'd like you to do, and I, this is, we want everyone to do this. I want you to stand right where you are. And then I want you just to, in your own words, just say, God, I'm giving you this area of my life. You can have control. So it just as the Lord leads you. When he puts that area in your life, maybe it's your business. Say, God, I'm gonna give you control. Maybe it's my family I'm going to give you control. Maybe it's my kids. Maybe it's my spouse. Maybe it's my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my career, my favorite hobby. Where have you held on some control? And I want you, when God reveals that, I want you just to stand. And I know it might take a moment. First service, we waited a little bit, and uh, it's okay. Okay. But when God puts that area, saying, okay, oh, yeah, I need to give control of this. Maybe it's your future. You're saying, no, I'm, going to, I'm controlling. I, I've got a plan, and I'm sticking to No, you need to give that control to the Lord. Our answer should be yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Matthew six thirty three: seek his kingdom above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Father, I pray that you just be with us. Strengthen us. We give control. Forgive us and help us to live under your authority. Amen.
0: Amen. We're going to sing one more song this morning, and it's called uh, Reckless Love. and and what I love about this passage today, and, and, and even this song, is uh, there's this idea of kingdom and earthly kingdom. And, and God's kingdom is almost what you would call an upside down kingdom, that He does things differently than we would expect um, here, than um, that the way of the kingdom is different than earthly kingdoms. Sorry, your microphone messed me up. <laughs> um, so I, I always like to think of a king who brought peace through bloodshed. And when you think of that, and you think of the kings of this world, you think of war, you think of all these things, destruction, you think of the way they leverage power, and then you think of how Jesus brought us peace, that he is the King of kings, he's the Lord of lords who brought us peace. And instead of shedding others' blood, instead of leveraging power on the world, he humbled himself and took the form of a servant. died a death that we deserve by shedding his own blood on the cross for our sins and it's it's different than the way we would expect and so maybe you're here and you're thinking man i i know what i should lay down but why should i lay it down and maybe you're uh, struggling to trust god's goodness or you're struggling to trust that he can do it or that he's able or capable but the way of this of the kingdom is different than the way of this world that the world says to hold on to take control to leverage power but the way of the cross is to take up our cross and follow after our Lord. So let's just take a moment. and We're going to sing this song, Reckless Love. And it's not about how God is reckless. It's about how the way he loves, the way he gives, the way he sacrifices seems reckless in the eyes of the world. But when we give up, when we surrender, when we lay down our life and follow after him, then he can do more than, than, than we could ever do on our own. And so let's just take a moment and just close our eyes one more time. Just think of that thing, and maybe you need to raise your hands as a way of surrender. Maybe you need to hold your hands out as though you're giving it to God, but let's just posture our bodies to mimic the posture of our hearts of how we need to surrender this morning to him as we sing this song together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your love. That even though we were sinners, even when we were battling against you in our own flesh, going our own path, our own way, Lord, we thank you that you died for us. Lord, help us to just wrap our minds around that. That we waged war against you in our sinful nature going our own path. And yet you died. You laid yourself down for sinners like us, Lord. We thank you. Lord, and I pray for anyone here who's struggling that maybe they believe in you. Maybe you've been their savior, Lord. But help us to make you Lord of our lives that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you reign over all. So why shouldn't you reign in our hearts? So Lord, just illuminate us areas where we need to lay down our preferences, where we need to set aside our sins, where we need to let go of shame. Lord, let us only bow down to you. And Lord, we thank you that you have called us your ambassadors, that let our prayers be the same as yours, Jesus, that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we know that as we leave this place, that we are leaving as kingdom people, not of this world, but living in this world. And so I pray that we would leave this place being salt and light to a lost, hurting, broken world that we would take up our crosses to follow after you, serving others. And Jesus, we know as we go that you will go before us, behind us, and all around us every single step of the way. We thank you, we praise you, and we give you all the glory and honor. In your name we pray. Thank you guys so much for worshiping with us today, for being here. We are so excited to see you next week for Easter. We will see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this week's message from The Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.